everyone and welcome back to the toffee blues podcast you are listening either on youtube spotify or wherever you get your podcast normally uh, we're going to be looking back on the last week of everton news and looking ahead obviously to the big crunch game this weekend against leeds united in what is a six-pointer if we ever did see one delighted to say james pendleton's jumped on the pod with us for this week's edition james how we doing mate we all good yeah good thanks mate yeah um looking forward to the weekend and trying to get about monday so all good thanks Brilliant, yeah. Well, we'll try not to dwell on it too much because we all know that we don't we don't really like to speak about Merseyside derbies, especially not at Anfield. But it was another really disappointing turnout in the derby at Anfield. Um, on the back of that really impressive win against Arsenal the week before, um, I mentioned this on a different podcast yesterday. How you know going into the derby, there was a lot of noise, a lot of talk about how Everton are in a good place to go there and really puff out their chests and have a go. You know, people talking about Liverpool's form. Uh, Everton new manager bounce out the Arsenal performance and all the rest of it, but I just I just didn't like that at all because whenever there's an ounce of expectancy on Everton, we all know how that normally ends up. So going into the game, what were your thoughts? Did you think we could get something from it, or were you quite were you quite pragmatic and realistic and remembered that this is not a fixture that we normally fare well in, no matter what the circumstances are? Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen we've seen much better Everton teams get turned over at Anfield before, uh, much more settled Everton teams. Uh, so I think, realistically, when we won there a couple of years ago, I think when we've won in 10-odd years or whatever, 10, 12 years now, they had a lot of problems in terms of their form and defence, they were really poor in terms of the players they had available. Um, and we, we, we sort of won the game on, on quite fine margins. So um, I think, as you say, when there's any expectancy, we don't roll out a result. And then when there is genuine worry, like the last derby I was really worried about was the one under Benitez. Uh, we got B4-1, played up the park. So when there's the opposite, we're even, we're even worse. So, um, But I think it stings a bit more because he did feel like we could have got something from the game. And if we'd you know, scored our big chance... And then obviously 15 seconds later they score. The game might have been very different. But I think going into it, I was I felt we could get a point out of the game. Um I felt that was that was doable, but as soon as we had a goal down, I think that was pretty much curtains, really, in terms of the way we performed after that. So um I was you never get too high, never get too low, I think, after a derby, because you know, more often than they do let us down, don't they? So um I, I wasn't too I wasn't entertaining the fact that we, we could have won the game too much because I think a lot of Liverpool fans thought we were going to win the game and that's normally a bad sign. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? I think it was quite evident within the opening 10, 15 minutes that they were really up for it, weren't they? I don't know what it was, but they really got themselves up for it. Um, normally, there's there's some there's some derby games where you think, oh, we'll have, we can have a go here, we can get something. But um, but no, I think it was a very a very one-sided display from Liverpool. You know, we, we never really... We never really bothered them that much, of course. Um, there was a lot of talk going into the game about the midfield, how our midfield could dominate them, but that wasn't really the case. It was just like a shadow of the performance against Arsenal, unfortunately. But of course, the big talking point going into the game was was the uh, inclusion of Ellis Sims from the off. Uh, massive call, massive call from the manager. Um, if there's ever an advert for 
how poorly this club is ran at the at the minute. Um, it's to look no further than this. How Ellis Sims has to start a Merseyside derby whenever and are fighting for their Premier League status. Um, what what did you make of on the decision to bring Ellis in, and how do you think he did? Yeah, I mean, I was I was probably in favour of it to be fair because I felt like Neil Malpay's played up front on his own all season, and he's been. Really, really bad, pretty much, is probably how I'd describe his Everton career so far. He's put in, you know, umpteen, lacklustre, pointless performances, only a couple where he's looked all right. And to be fair, some of that is his fault, but but most of it isn't. I think he's not a one-up front sort of striker with nobody around him. That's not the way he kind of seems to play. So it's a difficult one because I think we saw with Sims, I thought he did okay. Not much better than that. I thought he did okay. Uh, And then when the ball went up... To him, sometimes he made it stick. Sometimes he brought players into it a little bit, but more often than not, he was he was schooled a little bit by you know two experienced Premier League centre backs. It's not like he's playing any mugs there. And I just hope it's a good learning curve from because I didn't expect loads there. And I think Carver Lewin would have you know he would he wouldn't have um, I'm not saying he would have been dominated, but I, I do think even Carver Lewin wouldn't have got. Um, sort of 100% success rate against the centre-halves uh, on Monday in terms of them being decent players. I think someone like Leeds on the weekend is probably more close, is certainly closer to Ellis, uh, Ellis Sims's speed. So I thought he did okay. It's the call I would have made and I'd probably keep him in as well, to be fair, because I think for a young player, it's good to get confidence up and we, we've tried with more pay. It's not worked. And I do think Ellis Sims' profile is the most similar to, to Dominic Carver-Lewin. So if I was the, it was the call I would have made, I thought he did okay, but it, it isn't really the kind of game where I'd, you know, rule him out of playing any further, even though he did look a bit out of his depth at times. But I thought well, once he went off, we lost any sort of aerial presence up front. We very rarely got the ball into their third of the pitch. And I think that's because we didn't have someone up there to sort of aim for. So... Um, even if he's not winning the ball or he's bringing other people to play, he's, he's making it difficult for the other team. That's what I want to see from him on, on Saturday if he plays again. Yeah, definitely. I'll go, go back to that point I made before. Massive calls bringing him in, but on the flip side of that, you know, he's been brought back in. We know how limited our options are and he's there to be used and hopefully he's only going to get better. Yes, he looks raw, but you know what? We're, we're on our knees at the moment with options, so let's hope that he can really start to come good in the next couple of weeks. Um, just before we move on from the derby, obviously we won't delve into it in too much detail because, of course, the uh, the extra time match reaction is out if you want to go and check that one out. Um, it was just their, their goal. I think it's fair to say we just fell to pieces after the first goal and there was no real sign of us getting back into the game other than a woeful effort from the head of Tom Davis towards the end. But it, it was just... Really, it was just so evident, wasn't it, in the manner in which we conceded that first goal? I just, I, I couldn't believe it. Whilst I could believe it at the exact same time, it was very similar to the um to the opening goal against Arsenal uh, the previous week. How it was another deep corner in, and I think if we were going to get something from that derby, it was going to come through the set pieces, wasn't it, or something of that sort? We have looked a little more dangerous under set pieces with Dice, um, albeit he's only been in for a few weeks. But yeah, it was it was another deep corner. Tarkovsky wraps his head round it, and it's looping in, and it's almost in slow motion. And for a, for a second, I think it's going in, and you know the elation that brings. And if that goes in, it's a completely different game than you would imagine. But you know the pace of Liverpool, they break up the other side of the pitch and they score. Um, and, you know, Darwin Nunes is always going to blitz Seamus Coleman for pace. Um, were, you, were you disappointed with the manner in which we conceded that goal? I know there's a lot to be said that they obviously have a lot better players than us, but, you know, you look at players there like Seamus Coleman and Jessica Gay, and yet we know they're not the quickest, but 
Were you disappointed that, you know, we didn't maybe throw in like a professional foul or anything like that or take the yellow? Because it was only a few days before that Sean Dyche was actually talking about how he wants his Everton side to, you know, utilise the ugly side of football and the dark arts or whatever you want to call it. So for, for you, do you think maybe it was it was a missed trick that we didn't, you know, throw in a challenge there, take the yellow, break the game up? Because, you know, it was all about breaking the game up for me and we just didn't do it enough. When we did do it, we actually look like we, we could maybe get a bit comfortable in the game, you know, just by being gritty and horrible and breaking up play. But just in terms of the goal, it was... um. It was, we were on a hard and to not on weight, we were with no challenges flying in. Yeah, exactly. It's so Everton. I think I said on the instant match reaction, it's it's also so Liverpool. I think just the way that yeah. we got so unlucky and they they got very lucky and they broke well. They seized their chance. I think they had pretty much every player back in the box as well, to be fair. So it's not like they had a couple of people already up there. They got back, we they got forward, we didn't get back. But yeah, so you've got to bring them down there, haven't you? For both goals, not just the first one, the second one as well. You've got to bring the man down. If it looks dangerous and it looks like where it opens up, certainly at the first one, you've got to just throw a tackle in. Um, Sean Dyches Bernie would have thrown a tackle in there yeah. 110%. I understand we get to a point where Certainly when you know a few steps before you maybe swing the ball and you're looking at whether it would be more than a booking or whatever. I don't think it ever would have been, to be fair. Uh, I think Michelenko comes across, doesn't do anywhere near enough. Pickford's gambled, it's not worked out. It's just a really terrible goal to concede. And the second one wasn't much better with personal errors all over the gaff. So I think for both goals, I'd say I was very disappointed with the manner of them. At the end of the day, if Liverpool tear you apart, that's fine. You know, you've got no problem with that. It's... It's one of those things. It's, it, there's some goals that you really can't do much for. Um, I can't do much to prevent it. But I felt neither of those goals were one of them. I think that'd be fair to say. I thought the header was going in. To be fair, I thought it was going to hit the post and go yeah. in. But um, they're the fine margins. At the end of the day, I think when you are playing for corners and set pieces, you are playing for fine margins because you're in the lap of the gods. Really, if it hits this part of the head or a slightly different part of the head, that can be the difference between it going in and hitting the post or whatever and, or, or going wide. So I was disappointed with the manner of the goals that we conceded, but we, we really shouldn't have wilted as much as we did after the first one. But the run they've been on, you know, we we looked at it as a positive way leading up to the game. But I think when you do get that goal and you do go in front of them, it becomes a bit of a negative really because I felt their tails were up and a couple of their players start playing much better than I've watched them play over the last uh, sort of four, six weeks or whatever. So very disappointed with the man of the goal so I'm sure Sean Dyche would have said this to them though um, whereas I think previous managers maybe wouldn't have been too fussed I think they would have just maybe chalked it down to bad luck so um, Sean, I'm sure Sean Dyche would look at that and say we, we should have taken one for the team then but uh, yeah extremely disappointing and, and I think not just the fact that we hit the post but the fact that we were so limp and so nicey nicey that we didn't give away that free kick is is, is just very evident as you say yeah, it is. And, you know, just finally on the derby, it's, I mentioned earlier on that it was very evident that they were up for it. It was very evident that they were not prepared to let us come and, you know, rub salt into their wounds. But I know that Everton have this mental block going to Anfield, the derby, and it's very, very rare that we ever get anything. But I can't help but feel that it's just so frustrating when, you know, all year we've watched teams go to go to Anfield or, you know, Liverpool play teams away from them, whatever. Or teams come up against this Liverpool side with no fear and just get right into them, just get right up them. And we've seen teams tear them apart. You know, you, you look at Wolves, Brentford, Brighton. You know, these are teams who, 
who have just quite comfortably dismantled Liverpool in recent weeks and, and this season as well. They, they're nowhere near the standards that they were. And it's just so frustrating that we can't go there and just show the same sort of attitude and go and do it. Because, you know, they're beatable, of course, they're beatable. They're as, they're as vulnerable as they've been for years. And, you know, you can't argue with that. But it's just so frustrating how we just never can seem to up our game against them. And it's, and it's a shame, but we can't dwell on it too much because it's the derby. And, you know, we sort of know what we're going to get with that, as, as depressing as that is to say. Um, obviously, a big talking point coming out of this game was um, is obviously Dominic Calvert-Lewin, the presence of Dominic Calvert-Lewin, or, you know, the lack of presence of, of him, I should say. Um, you know, we spoke about how Ellis Sims came in in place of him, but it, it's one of them, isn't it, with Dominic Calvert-Lewin? It just seems that we're constantly dealing with this, this cycle of, oh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, he was he was taken off against Arsenal as a precaution because he felt a bit of tightness. Okay, that's fine, no problem. And then it just snowballs into oh, he's gonna miss this game. We're still monitoring it, and before you know it, he's out for four or five weeks. It's it's so predictable and so unfortunate, and and it's just unfortunately the chickens have come home to roost, haven't they? And you reap what you sow. We have no replacement for him, no real replacement for him, even though we've we've known the circumstances with Dom for a good couple of years now. I'd say. So where do you stand on the Calvert Lewin thing? I feel like I've had this conversation many times, but it's it is it, it is very worrying for me how how this is something that we feared would happen and it's you know it's been realized and we're facing the prospect of no Calvert Lewin now for God knows how long. You know, I I give up with him, mate, to be honest. I I just don't know even know if he's coming or going anymore. Um we knew that, you know, he's not really contributed with goals as such but one thing you can say in the Arsenal game we really played to his strengths and you know we really sort of dictated the play up the further end of the pitch you know he was getting balls out out wide and stuff like that holding up play well so he's going to be a massive miss but just what's your what's your sort of take on on the latest Calvert-Lewin dilemma because you know it's just so frustrating isn't it how the club are just so negligent in the way that this this situation's come to fruition again isn't it? Yeah, it's it's very frustrating. I mean, I think it, I'm sure it's devastating for him as well. Um, he was in the England team. He was doing really well for Everton. He, you know, he, he appeared to be on Arsenal's shortlist going into the summer, and then I think they probably realised he is just going to be injured all the time. And yeah, I said on Twitter before. I mean, I think you, you, we really could be looking at a player whose career is just getting derailed by injury. It's it's moved from oh, this this is a bit unfortunate. You know, we're missing him, but. We're doing all right under Benitez, and then it moves to right a couple of injuries now. That's that's not good. To then this lad's just never fit for any period of time, and I think we slept. I think obviously not the fan base. Cause I think the fans have realised this, which is remarkable because the people, the powers that be, really should have been able to recognise it. But I think we have just slept walking to a player who's gone from being borderline indestructible to now just being out all the time and just being constantly injured and. Proper clubs don't hang the hats on those kind of players. They get a nice to have, but I don't even think Dominic Calvert-Lewin's even... He, he's not irreplaceable, because as you say there, he hasn't necessarily contributed with goals. He's an OK goal scorer. He's, he's you know, when he's fit, and I think if he was in his current guise and age, going towards his prime now, I think he probably would net a dozen goals in a season sort of figures, but I think because he has been injured, you can just see he has lost in the, the yard and he's not as committed, I don't think, anymore, which must be a horrible place to be as a footballer because mentally you don't want to overstretch and everything. And it's, yeah. it, it's not nice to think about, but I think, um, yeah, I, he is, as far as I'm concerned, we 
we need a new lead striker. And it's not just the fact that we didn't sign anyone in January. It's the fact that we sold a Charleston who was a winger who could play up front. And I just think we've got that kind of profile of play. You've got to go get another one. You've got to go get someone who can do two jobs because, you know, you can't sell a, a left winger and a striker who can also play on the right and then not go and get someone who can do at least two of those things where they can play up front and play out wide. It makes a massive difference. And, you know, even though we he's had, what, four managers at Everton, Richarlison, the fact that he could play left, right, up front on his own in a pair, whatever it might be, the fact that he had all those aspects to his game just meant he fit in with every manager. Every manager's got a tune out of him, which is another really underrated part of him. So if we survive, absolutely, we've got to get a new striker, see where we're at with Dominic Carvalhoon, because I just think if a club, another club wants to risk 10, 12, 15 million for and we absolutely have to take it and just say, best of luck, see how you get on. Um, I think the personal abuse and stuff he gets is, is unbelievable because he doesn't want to be injured, obviously. And we're obviously very quick to forget if it wasn't for his goal against Palace, we might not be in this division, you know. Yeah. So he did score the most important goal in Everton's history as far as I'm concerned in terms of where we're at now with the stage in Premier League safety, etc., etc. So, um, who knows, Sean might score an even more important goal this year, but hopefully not. Um, as far as I'm concerned, yeah, we just need to get as much as we can out of them this season and then in the summer just pray someone comes in and says, yeah, we'll, we'll risk it for what would be a relatively nominal fee because we were looking at probably a £50 million player a couple of seasons ago and now he's... Obviously, you say he's massively played by injury, which is a real shame. But let's not hang on to him like we do with so many other players. Let's just get him out while we can and just reset it. That's it, isn't it? And you know, just equally as as worrying, if you like, is how we have to pin our our hopes on on players like Neil Morpai and uh, and, and Ellis Sims. Ellis Sims, for me, you know, I have no doubt that he has he has the potential to become a decent centre forward. But it's a lot to ask for him to drag. Everton Football Club out of, out of out of the mire and out of this this dire position we're in, um, and, and you know the same goes for Neil Malpai, who's not really set the world alight, has he? Let's be honest. If anything, he's been quite underwhelming since he came. Just the one goal so far, and his performances have have hardly been anything to write home about. So it's all about getting the, the best out of players like Malpai, and um, it'll be interesting to see this weekend what how how we set up. Whether it'll be two, whether it'll be Ellis Sims again. I have a little sneaky suspicion that he's going to stick with Sims. I could be wrong. Um, but either way, they're going to have to step up to the plate because this has just been a theme all season of just having no goals. And, you know, you look at Sims and, and Mopai, it's um, it's not exactly filling you with a lot of hope that we're all of a sudden going to go on some kind of some kind of run of scoring three, four goals. So it, it, it's worrying, to say the least. But going forward, obviously, there is a massive game this weekend against Leeds at Goodison Park. The first of two back-to-back bumper fixtures for the Blues, obviously starting with Leeds Saturday, followed by Aston Villa a week after. Um, it's Is it must-win for you, James? Um, because we remember coming back off the World Cup, we had two... We had two home games in quick succession. I know we have Manchester City wedged in between them, but, you know, you look at that, the Wolves and the Brighton game and people thought, oh, this was a good chance for us to, you know, back-to-back sort of home games at Goodison is a good chance for us to get some points on the board. And we and we just didn't do that at all. We, we completely fluffed our lines. But, you know, we're heading in towards the sort of spring months now and, you know, we're getting, we're staring March down the battle and this is where, we're, I'm not saying we're in the business end of the season just yet, but we're not that far off it in all honesty. 
And if you have two games back-to-back and you're in a position like Everton are against Leeds and Aston Villa, you have to take it because what you can't have is a gap to start the form. And there is a little bit of a gap starting to form now with these teams. You look at the likes of Wolves and Nottingham Forest, there's that fear that these teams are going to start pulling away. So it's vital that Everton pick up three points this weekend, not just because Leeds are also in this relegation battle with us as well. But we just can't lose touch with, with the pack, can we? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think home games, they, well, they're going to be crucial. They've been crucial for Everton for years because away from home, other than that COVID season under Ancelotti, we have been dire there again this year. I think we're looking at Southampton away win. Uh, I think there was another one at, at some point that eludes me, but um, it's just been massively disappointing away from home. So at home, we've got to win the game. As I say, it's, it is must win. Um, I think... Deitch will you want to hope Deitch gets us to a point where these fixtures become you know just must not lose don't let other teams kind of chase us down but for now yeah it's absolutely we we have to win uh, I think if, if you look at the teams around the bottom though I think Leeds Southampton they've messed up their managerial situation massively um, obviously Marsh has left Leeds not going Southampton now at the time that we're obviously speaking here Scabal is staying in charge of Leeds you know, Bournemouth put Gary O'Neill in charge, which is just bizarre, really. Um, for it, but then you look at teams like Forest, Villa, Wolves. I think they all did the right things with their manager at the right times, and they've, as you say, started to pull away for a bit of a gap. So it's no coincidence to me that the teams who are down there are the ones who really messed up in the dugout, basically. Yeah. Um. Luckily for us, we got the manager who I think Southampton and I think Leeds would go for if he was available and maybe even West Ham if they wanted to move Moyes on I think they could even go for Deitch so we're lucky we've got him and these are sort of games yeah we just have to win I think it's not out of the realms of possibility to get six points from the next six available and that's got to be the aim as far as I'm concerned home games against teams in the bottom half Villa are safe we all know that as soon as they brought in Unai Emery they were safe I think if we brought in Sean Deitch at the same time, I think you would have said then, well, as soon as they brought Deitch and they were safe, but that's no longer guaranteed. So, yeah, the home games are crucial. It doesn't matter who it's against, to be fair. Um, I know we've got teams like City still to come, uh, Goodison, I think Tottenham as well. So, you know, teams like that are still going to come to Goodison and we're going to have to put in a good performance against them. But, yeah, Leeds and Villa, they, they are must-win fixtures as far as I'm concerned. Get six points from six and then if we do that, we start to join that cutaway group assuming other results go our way. So, yeah, massive, massive uh, fixture on Saturday. It's going to be tricky because I think Leeds have looked all right, to be fair, against United the, oh, yeah. in the two games they played. But, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a real tricky fixture for us. But it was the sort of roots of recovery from last season around this time, actually, when we played Leeds under Lampard and we won that game 3-0. So, hopefully that's a good omen and we can, we can get a massive three points because I think whoever loses that game or whoever doesn't win, if it's a draw, which will be both teams, they're still massively in trouble. Whereas I think if one team wins, they can start to, uh, as they look towards the likes of Palace, Villa, uh, Forest, who you think are going to be edging towards safety, they're not already there. Yeah, I completely agree. And you know, you touched on it yourself there, James, I think, because the away form so poor and it has been for so long, you really pin your hopes on these home games, don't you? And, you know, the, the importance of these two fixtures coming up now can't be understated. Leeds and Aston Villa at home. We simply have to win. We have to win. So we don't, this gap just doesn't get too big to the point where we find ourselves, you know, May going in, March going into April. And, and you know, we're, we're really, we're really starting to lose touch with these teams. But the flip side of that is that if we can get three points, 
then we could be, you know, West Ham have a really difficult fixture at Tottenham this weekend as well. You know, if we pick up three points, we could end the day on 16th. And I know, listen, the grand scheme of things, it, it's nothing to shout about being 16th. But for confidence, it's going to be huge. going to be massive just knowing that we're not in the bottom three. And then taking that confidence into the Villa game, then we could be in such a different position. Obviously, still a lot of work to do, but just breathing room. And, you know, I think after that Arsenal game, the confidence and the positivity around the fan base was, it was so refreshing, wasn't it? Because we'd gone, we'd gone so long without a win. It was just so, so positive and so nice to be able to see people speaking, you know, positively about the team, the players, the manager. And it's a great opportunity for us to do this as well. But obviously with that comes a lot of pressure because it can so easily go the other way if we don't pick up the results on Saturday. But like you said, it, it's not going to be an easy task at all. You look at Leeds, the players Leeds have, especially in the forward area of the pitch. You know, you look at the likes of Somerville, um, Harrison, who I really rate as well. Um, th- these are players who can really, really hurt us. And I, w- I worry pace-wise, coming up against players like Seamus Coleman, um, Michalenko again, it's going to be a really, a really tough ask because, you know, Leeds, I, I feel like they were... They were a bit unlucky against the two fixtures against United last week. Obviously, you don't go two up at Old Trafford for no reason. And also, I thought they were they probably wanted to the point at Ellen Road. But of course, United got the goal and they sort of fell to pieces a little bit. But, you know, we've just got to focus on our own game and, you know, use Goodison to our advantage because it's going to be massive now. You look at our fixtures and it's it's there's been a lot of noise on Twitter that I'm sure you've seen as well that people are aware of where people are saying like, oh, the, the next... The next five fixtures are going to define Everton's season. I don't really go along with big brass statements like this, but it's difficult to disagree with that, really, when you look at the fixtures we've got coming up now in the next five games or so. Um, so just finally, before we start wrapping things up, um, team-wise, how do, you th- how do you see him setting up for this game against Leeds? Uh, I think I'd suggest he'd probably stick with the same team, I would guess. It's difficult though because I think he does want to try a two up front, but then I think a game like Leeds against that kind of opposition, I think it would probably work fine. Um, sorry, I think it's the kind of game he'd want to play too, um, because they're obviously in and around us in the table and stuff, and we are at home. But I think with the energy they've got in midfield, I think we're gonna have to match that. I think McKenny and Adams are just a really, really good partnership, and that's yeah. that, that that's a centre midfield that shouldn't be at this stage in the table. Um, and then players like Gonanto and Harrison, Somerville, as you say, Sinister, if he's fit, I'm not sure. Uh, players like that, they're the ones who are going to cause us big issues. But then defensively, they're not great. So you think, do you pray on that? Do you play two up front, try and make it hard for them? It, it's really tricky to say. But obviously, Sean Dyche in that position where he he'll he'll know what's best to do and he'll know what's best to go for. I think the only thing I can maybe see is maybe bringing in Damari Gray. He's not played the first couple of games. He came on against Liverpool, sort of up front, then he went out wide. It was a mess, really, but um, I'd wonder whether he'd maybe bring him in for a Wobie or, or McNeil, I'm unsure. But, yeah, I think if it was me, I'd probably stick with the same team, try and pack that midfield, and then maybe look towards Villa and say, can we play two up front? Can we get Sims and Moore play feeding off one another? It's a diabolical front line obviously I'm not saying it's great but it's it's all we've got literally so um, I'd probably stick with the same team personally speaking see how Sims gets on against uh, you know, a team who aren't as good uh, see how he gets on with you know, players getting in and around and making it easier for him because the other lads on, on Monday made it so hard for him to, to do anything really and I just hope he's learned from, from what happened on Monday and he can put in a good performance if he does play this weekend 
I think again, I think I said on Twitter before that he seems to when I've seen his goals for Sunderland, less so heart, but I think he seems a kind of player who feeds off moments of chaos in the box, poaching yeah. goals. To do that, you've got to get players in the round and to, to to create these moments of chaos from to finish something off. So that's what I hope happens on Saturday. So I'd I'd probably stick with the same team in truth and um obviously barring any late injuries or anything. Yeah, I can probably agree with that. I I I think you'll probably stick like Ellis Sims. I think it's one a case where you just stick or twist. You may as well just keep playing him and just get the best out of him because we know there's there's obviously goals in there. Um, whether it's going to be enough to get us over the line, that remains to be seen. But I do think it'll be good to have you know Ellis Sims in front of the, a, a full packed out Goodison Park and you know get that get that support for him and that that motivation and hopefully give him that extra that extra yard as well. But you know what, going to be a really difficult game. Leeds United, they, they travel really well. I have no doubt that they will be packed out the air, the away end. Um, they're going to be making a lot of noise as they always do because it's a huge game for them as well. They'll be looking at this thinking, you know, this is a great chance for us to get three points. We've been unlucky in our last two games. Let's go to Goodison Park against the you know, a potentially fragile Everton side and, you know, get the crowd to turn and come away with three points. They'll be thinking the exact same thing as us, um, of the magnitude of the game and what three points will do for them. But, you know, we've just got to concentrate on our own, our own game and hope that the manager knows how to, you know, grind out some kind of results here because I, I don't even think a draw is enough. I just think the next two games, we just need to come out with six points and then we can start looking up then. Um, yes, Disappointments in the Merseyside derby, but that's a given. I feel like that would have been that would have been the case if we were battling for the Champions League, a bit of an anomaly. Um, but you know what? Last game at Goodison was a really impressive win against Arsenal, and we've just got to take the same the same motivation into this Leeds game because three points will be huge for us. And going into these pivotal fixtures, it can go a long way in ensuring that we do get out of this mess and that we are a Premier League club come next season. So we'll leave it there. James, thanks so much for jumping on this week's edition of the podcast. Be sure to subscribe and like if you're watching on YouTube and wherever you get your regular podcasts from. Big thanks to James for jumping on and we'll speak to you next time on the Toffee Blues. <laughs>